we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. January 17th, 2023. The first day of the World Economic Forum. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? Healthy and alive. Uh, doing well. Fantastic. I'm, than, glad uh, to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Better than it sounds like Klaus Schwab is doing. Apparently. He's not doing too well. He is not doing too well. I'm sorry to say. I, it pains me. pains me to hear that he's, he's going to miss the opening ceremony because of a health issue. He's, he's just not, he's not going to make it. Now, he did, he did the, uh, the pre-opening ceremony today for the artists, and I do have some audio of that. I'll get to that in just a second. But they have announced today, sadly, that he will not be attending the opening ceremony because of, because of a health issue. I, I want you to hear this. Bruce, does it sound to you, after hearing this, like he has a health issue? Good evening, and a very cordial welcome to the annual meeting 2023. I express this cordial welcome on behalf of the Board of Trustees and my colleague, Jorge Brand is the president and all the members of the management board, as well as all the people who are here to make your stay here enjoyable and productive. We couldn't meet at a more challenging time. We are confronted with so many crises simultaneously. What does it need to master the future? I think to have a platform where all stakeholders of global society are engaged. Governments, business, civil societies, the young generation, and I could go on, I think is a first step to meet all the challenges. But what is even more important is that we approach the future with a positive spirit, with a spirit which reflects human creativity and ingenuity. And for this reason, it's very appropriate to begin this annual meeting with the participation of great artists featuring culture and the arts. We have to uplift our hearts. We have to restore a notion despite all the headwinds of optimism. And we have to integrate into everything which we are doing 
our hearts. Only if we are involved with all our passion to construct and to shape the future, I'm convinced we will overcome the present multi-crisis. So again, a very cordial welcome, and I would like to ask Hilde Schwab to come up and to introduce our great artists who will be honored with the Crystal Award this evening. Does he sound like he has a health issue? That was just a few hours ago. No, that sounds uh, sounds like the same Klaus Schwab that we're, we've been listening to for a few years now. It does. Which begs the question, why? Why is he going to miss the opening ceremony? It's his forum. He's the executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. Why is he going to miss that? He always does the opening speeches. We look forward to hearing him babble on about just nonsense when he opens those uh, those ridiculous, pointless meetings. By the way, Bruce, they've only got 2,000 jets, private jets, flying into uh, to Geneva this year. There's only 2,000 of them, just private ones. They they kept it low this year yeah. because uh, yeah. climate change. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course. They've only mm -hmm. got... 2,000 private jets flying in this year. 2,000. Um, yeah. He said that we've got multi-crises that we're facing. Uh, brought on by who? Brought on by what? Gee, I, I wonder, um, who could have been at the, uh, the forefront of that? Couldn't have been your organization and the people that, that subscribe to your ideology, could it? Couldn't have been that. And then, of course, we talked last week. What was it that Alan Watts said back in the early 2000s? He says, according to all the psychological studies, it, I mean, it's basic psychology. If you go at a person and you give them at least four, four major crises that they cannot solve, that they can do nothing about, they go into a deep depression and they feel helpless. And so you're more inclined to believe the people that are presented to you to fix that problem that you have no ability to fix, such as an energy crisis, a climate change, a terrorism, a pandemic, and economical problems and supply chain problems, just about everything that these people are responsible for. You know, you just kind of look at what they say. You know, the lockdowns, you know, basically you just, you, you broke people's spirits and you demoralized them. You forced them to get jabbed. Uh, against their will. And we're going to talk about how they did that uh, here very shortly. But we need to be more productive. He also said we need to be more productive. I agree. We need to be more productive. And we could do that if you people would just kindly get the hell out of the way. We'd be a whole hell of a lot more productive if you people would just buzz off like those little bugs you want to eat. Just get out of the way. So he's not going to make it. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply, deeply hurt that he's not going to make the opening ceremony. I, I mean that legitimately. Can you tell the sincerity? Can you hear the sincerity in my voice? Can you hear that? I was looking forward to him giving the opening speech all year long. I was looking forward to it for this year. I was looking forward to it this year specifically because this year, in my opinion, my humble opinion, this year is going to determine how this is going to go. And so I want to hear the head of the snake, at least on the, you know, the front group of it. I want to hear the figurehead that they've got out there. I want to hear Kissinger's messenger boy with the briefcase. I want to hear him give his arrogant speech. That's what I want to hear. I was legitimately looking forward to that. And now I'm not going to be able to hear it. You're going to take that away from me, Klaus? How dare you? In the words of Greta Thunberg, who got arrested by German police yesterday. How dare you? Yeah. Uh, with all these uh, crises that they're uh, manufacturing here lately, which some <laughs> manufactured is the correct term here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious why he's taking a leave of absence. Is it maybe because he's going to go and talk to his... CCP handlers, or I mean, what? I'm, I'm, 
Just saying. I'm. I'm. I seems. Uh, it seems awful odd when you had this event planned and it's such a big deal and you're the head of it. You're the guy that that orchestrates this. Even if you had like you know, uh, unless you're on your deathbed, you're going to be out there and and really trying to push your your because this is yeah. so important, right? And you've got you've got as we were talking in prep, you've got six hundred actually over six hundred CEOs that are going to be there. You've got, as I said, 2,000 private jets are shuttling their sorry asses in there. You've got 53 heads of state from around the world that are going to be there. And you're not going to be there? You're, you're saying, yeah, I'm just going to I'm going to go over here by the punch bowl. You guys have a good time. That's not how it works, Jack. Get out there on the center stage. They want to hear you talk. I want to hear you talk. I, I want to hear you babble on about a dystopian future. That's what I want to hear. You may have actually just answered the question right there. How many world leaders? Uh, how many leaders did you say there are going to be there? World leaders, like fifty-three uh, heads of state, will be there. Heads of state, okay, fifty-three heads of state. Or so well, maybe... I guess I shouldn't say heads of state. I guess I should say fifty-three. Well, they they said heads of state, but I'm assuming that they're going to have like cabinet members and and young global sure. leaders and and that stuff. So yeah, that's that's what they consider heads of state because what they're very proud of is that they've penetrated the cabinet. So therefore, their yeah. plan and not for ours. So yeah. That would be a head of so state. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's uh, maybe that's what he's doing. Is there's a closed door meeting with those heads of state, as he says. Maybe uh, that's entirely possible. But you know, I I want to know where are the A list celebrities? Where are they? Why aren't they there this year? Usually you have the Leonardo DiCaprio types and the the ones that are have the partnerships with Pfizer and and all that stuff. Where are they? Why aren't they there this year? They're usually like center stage down there. They're putting those out at showpieces, as showpieces. Like Tom Cruise with Scientology, they put him out there as a showpiece. Where's Leonardo DiCaprio? Him and Klaus Schwab are buddy buddy. They're hanging out down there all the time. Why isn't he down there? He's not making it this year. Well, they couldn't get their yachts there because of climate change. What? You know who else is not going to make it this year? George Soros is not going to make it this year because of a quote scheduling conflict. George Soros is not going to make it to Davos this year. George Soros has gone every single year. Every single year. I remember I, I started watching the World Economic Forum back in 2010, 2009, 2010. And they were public about their meetings, but they weren't the entity that they are now. Or maybe they were, they just weren't at the forefront. But I remember watching their meetings because they were televised every year on like CNBC and all the international financial networks and everything. And George Soros was there every single year. And he's not going to make it this year because of a scheduling conflict. One of the world's foremost trillionaires has a scheduling conflict. You're telling me that a man with as much power and influence that he has, he can't make an alteration to his schedule to meet with 600 CEOs in one place. I don't believe that. I just don't believe that. He said on Twitter, due to an unavoidable scheduling conflict, this is from his Twitter, regrettably, I cannot attend the World Economic Forum annual meeting in Davos this year as I have in past years. As I said, he's been there every year. I've been watching who attends usually. He says, I plan to deliver a speech in Munich on the eve of the Munich Security Conference. Details to come. Now, he's 93 years old. Okay, now I will give him that. Hell, Kiss Kissinger's what, 99 this year? Klaus Schwab's mentor? I don't know if Kissinger's going to be there, but usually he's an honored guest every year, obviously. I mean, Professor Schwab, that was his mentor. So Kissinger's going to be an honored guest. I, at least I would assume. I haven't heard that he's not going to be there. Usually he is. But Soros? I don't buy it. Klaus Schwab's going to miss the opening ceremony? 
I don't buy it. You've got 5,000 Swiss military that are assisting, I'm doing the air quotes, assisting the Canton. Now, what are they responsible for? Well, they've introduced a new system down there. It's your level of access, what you're going to be allowed to do, and that places you're going to be allowed to visit while you're there. Yeah. So you thought you were just going to get in down there and you were going to be able to have access to everything? Nope. Well, I mean, let's still look at the prerequisites first, okay? The prerequisite is you have to take a COVID test. That's your prerequisite, okay? That's before you even think about entering, regardless of what level of access you have, okay? Yeah, you got levels of access. We're going to go through those. Actually, rather, this clip's going to go through those here in just a second. So you have to have a COVID test, right? And you have a little access card. So if you have a negative COVID test, you're fine. You have that level of access that your card gives you, whatever color card, your color your card is, okay? That will give you the specific level of access. If you have a negative COVID test, if you refuse to take a COVID test, if you say, you know what, go pound, I can't say sand because they're in, they're in Switzerland right now. It's snowing down there. So you go pound snow, right? Go pack some snow. <laughs> I don't want to take your stupid test. You, you drop dead. Well, your access is hereby revoked and your card no longer works. You have to stay on the outer perimeter and the military will see to it that you do. That's after you pass a fingerprint scan, of course, and a QR code scan, of course, to verify who you are. You see, they've done all this because of death threats to them and their families. You, you see that that's they've done this because they're under duress in there. You see, they're, they're under duress. So they have to take all these precautions to ensure that they're safe because they're doing what's best for us. Right. So they have to be safe. So if you have a positive covid test. So if you test, you know, the PCR test, which there's no way that they can screw those up. If they test you and you come up positive, your access is immediately revoked yet again. And you are escorted back to your hotel room where you have to quarantine until further notice at your expense, I'm sure. So what other levels of access? Let's let's say that you pass all this stuff. What other levels of access do you get? Let's hear. Hey, I'm joining you from the promenade in Davos, Switzerland for the World Economic Forum annual meeting. I've got to talk for a moment about the badges, the infamous WEF annual meeting badges. Now, I've got an orange badge, which means I'm a, a member of the media here to report on it. But there's this whole weird feudal badge hierarchy here, this badge caste system that defines the relationships between the leaders and the peasants here in Davos. So if you've got a white badge with a blue line on it, you are an invited guest of the World Economic Forum. So you're a big business leader, a big politician, a G7 leader, a foreign minister, something like that. If you're a white badge with no blue line, it means you're the spouse of someone who's important. So you're, you're, you're important, but you're not exactly there. Uh, if you have a red badge, it means you're a driver. Now, now, just to put things in context here, this is the museum at Davos here. I haven't actually been in there myself. I have an orange badge. I believe I'm allowed in. But if you've got a red badge or a red stripe badge or a yellow stripe badge, you're not allowed in. So, so not all badges are all access. If you are a green badge, I believe you're a support person for someone who has a white badge. And if you are a purple badge, I believe you're technical staff for media. I, I'm still trying to figure it all out. So far, I've only been told I can't go one place with my orange badge, but we'll see as the week goes on. But the thing that's hilarious here is that people talk about the badges as though it's really meaningful. Like even on the plane to Zurich on my way out here, there was a, a white badge attendee asking the people in the seats around him if they had white badges or if they were just tagging along. So uh, you can always tell how important someone is by the color of badge they're wearing here in Davos. I don't give a damn what the color of your badge is. I don't give a damn about your badge. I really don't care. 
As a matter of fact, if I hear some schmuck on an airplane asking me what color badge I've got, again, I'm going to say my pronouns are blank and you. F and you. Yeah. Drop dead with your badge. I don't care. That's my first thing. My second thing, these people, these arrogant bastards in the Swiss Alps, again, I mean, as I said last week, shuttling their fat asses in there with their 2,000 private jets while lecturing us that we're not going to have cars and we're not going to be able to fly and telling us that we're emitting too much carbon and you fly into a system like what that gentleman just described, that's for them. Now, they're going to implement something like this on the world population. And more than that, they're going to be successful at it. I don't think so. Tell me another one. I invite you, all of you hypocritical lying sacks of garbage, I invite you to try. The same thing with the digital currency. I invite you to try. Go ahead. Bruce, you read an article on the digital currency today, didn't you? Out of the Wall G Journal. Excuse me. Excuse me. The Wall Street Journal. Pardon me. Mm hmm. I did, yeah. And basically, uh, to, to sum it up, uh, more or less, uh, they're talking about uh, bringing this about whether you like it or not. It's, uh, it's going to come. Uh, and they've, they're talking about how 114 nations are already uh, experimenting with the idea. Uh, the US, UK are among them, as well as uh, Europe. They're all looking at doing their own digital currency. Now, uh, the US and the UK are being slow, they said in the article, about bringing it about because basically they don't want any kind of exploits or uh, weaknesses uh, that might um, inadvertently be created. Um, so you don't have any people that exploit the system and make a ton of money on it. Um, like, for example, when Stablecoin had their little fiasco and uh, uh, crypto started tanking, well, Stablecoin is supposed to be pegged to the dollar, right? Stablecoin started losing its, like it started being cheaper than the dollar. Uh, it wasn't pegged anymore. So in theory, you could have bought a bunch of Stablecoin when it was low like that and traded it in for uh, $1 of currency. So, um, you know, you, you would have been trading like at one point it was like 90 some cents basically and you were getting a dollar so you were you were making a little bit of money there very small but that's the point is they want to get rid of any kind of exploitation like that and then it's no longer going to be your personal private bank that's going to uh, house your currency it'll be a centralized um, bank that'll hold so the central bank uh, will will hold your account let's say there was a, a, a crisis that happened again like COVID-19 and and they wanted to give a bunch of stimulus to the populace, they would they would be able to directly deposit your your currency immediately uh, and digitally. Now, conversely, if they have the capacity to give you money on a whim, they have the capacity to take money from you on a whim. And the article even goes about saying uh, how <laughs> we've been talking about this for years, but they also pointed out the fact that this is a mechanism that uh, social credit needs, and you could exploit, uh, basically, you could bar people from buying certain products based on anything, really, it doesn't matter. And they have everything tracked. Every single transaction you do will be tracked. They'll have all the information, what you bought, where you bought it from, when you bought it, everything will be known. You mean to tell me that it's possible that they will be able to manipulate that, that token that you get and you'll be 
told what you can buy and what you can't buy? You, you mean that's what they would do? You, you mean that that's, that's a possibility? You mean that they're going to be able to have a, a record of every transaction because, well, they need clarity, you see? Mm-hmm. So you mean to tell me that all sales would be public and and there would be no more private transactions and and well you're basically you're you're dumping jet fuel on the black market at that point is what you're doing you mean that's how it would go yeah so if they said something like uh you're not allowed to buy alcohol anymore um well it, you you would be barred from buying alcohol uh let's say uh they were going to you know because they can't do it because the constitution here in the US but let's say they they put a um, I don't know, 300% tax or something like that on firearm sales or ammunition sales. Oh. You, you couldn't see the government oh. actually doing something like that, well, right? Well, no, I, I couldn't see it's that, but yeah, well, I mean, I couldn't see that, but what I, what I could see is you do what that uh, Colorado state Democrat senator said is you just, I mean, after you shoot the bullets from the magazine, there's no way you can reuse those. So you just, you, you toss them. That's the easiest way to, to deal with that problem. I, seriously, did like none of that... Uh, did none of the aides come up and like bring a magazine and like show that this is how you reload it and you just pop them back? Absolute idiots. Absolute idiots. You know, I have no problem and I I don't want to get too hung up on this, but because I want to get into to what they're discussing out of one of their working papers down there in Davos. But I have no problem with a digital currency. I, I, I mean, I've said that from the start. I don't have a problem with it. If, if, here's the if, the if is we don't have these damn exchanges. That's my first problem. My second problem, we don't have these wallets. Why do we not have non-custodial wallets? I mean, we do have them, but they're not promoted. Why do we not have those? They are available and they're not illegal. You can get them. I have one of them. There's nothing in it, but (laughs) I have one of them just in case they ban them. So non-custodial wallets. And we need to stop the speculation. That's not a stock. It's a piece of data. I understand that we assign things to that. I get it. But there's no way for us, the end user, to audit that decision and to audit that value. There's no way for us to do that. We can audit the value of gold because there's only so much of it and it's public as to how much there is. We don't know how much is in the blockchain. We can't audit that. So we don't know that a Bitcoin is worth, I don't know, 50 cents or $50,000. Well, there's only 1.2 million of them or whatever. Okay, how do we audit that decision? How do we audit that value? We can't. We just base it on, on, on whatever it is they say are in the system that are available or how many hashes there are, whatever the hell is you have to go through for the solution to come up with it. Real quick, in the case of this digital currency, they're they're looking at going two different ways. They're going the way of social credit, which everybody gets their own wallet and they track everything. The other way is um, basically only between businesses. So any kind of transaction that would happen between like a bank and a business, usually that takes a couple of days. They're looking at doing um, that one. That's the one they're looking at firsthand. But the the fiat one replacing fiat that that's something that like China's looking into in India. And it's been a failure. It's been a failure. The Chinese, the digital yuan, even their one of their central bank heads came out and said this thing bombed. It bombed badly. It it doesn't matter, though, because here in the West, they're saying uh, because China and India both are pushing towards this this fiat, um, they're saying that if we don't get involved, then China and India are going to be setting the standards for it that we have to follow. But their people are rejecting it. Yeah. So how is that that a standard to follow? Oh, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, it doesn't matter. So I have no problem with with a digital currency so long as it is private. If it's private and it's and you have private transactions, I have no problem with that. As in you add it to a fiat system. Example, right? 
this is just an example of how we do things now. I'll break it down for the, you know, the people that don't understand it. Bruce, I have here in my hand some cash. Okay, this is actual cash. This is not, you know, play money or anything. I have some 50s and I have 100. Okay, so if you and I want to do a deal right now, because we're in different places, if you and I want to do a deal, I can't give you this, right? Obviously, it's impossible for me to give you this. And there's no way that I I mean, I'm not going to send this through the mail, right? No, I'm not going to do that, right? So they expect Mm. you to use their system, PayPal. So you use PayPal. They take a small fee, of course, right, for the transaction, money conversion and everything. I get that. I get it. It's still cheaper than a bank. Still cheaper than doing a wire transfer, cheaper than doing Western Union. If you can even find one of those things, unless you speak Spanish in the United States, then, of course, they can tell you exactly where one is. So I can't send you this. So what would be the next best option for people like us? Well, to do a deal with cryptocurrency, that would be the next best option. So I have no problem with that. However, that cryptocurrency should be one to one. I have no problem when cryptocurrency is a one to one value. If I'm holding 150 in euros or dollars or francs or pounds or whatever, I should be able to do that business with a gentleman sitting across the screen from me. And we can do that business and it can be instant and it can be private wallet to wallet, non-custodial wallet to non-custodial wallet. No one needs to know except for the parties that are involved, just like cash. I have no problem with that. That's the kind of system. If we're going to go digital, if we're going to have digital, then it needs it just needs to be another option. It needs to be another uh, another leg in in this this show that we got going on here. That's what it needs to be. Now, we have a lot of work to do to deal with the problems that we have in our current financial system. Our current financial system, man, they have they have screwed this pooch six ways to Sunday. There is too much cash. The system is hemorrhaging cash. There's too much cash in the system. I was talking to somebody, a mutual friend of ours that we have in, in Ireland. I was talking to him over the weekend, and he was asking me all of these, these questions about America, just randomly, like how many stripes are on the American flag, and, and what do they mean, and, uh, and what's the saying of this founding father? And I said, so why are you asking me this? And he said, oh, the wife is playing a game where you win 20,000 euros. And I said, you mean to tell me that if she gets these answers right, she wins 20,000 euros? He said, yeah. Well, another person in Ireland said that their sister won 50,000 euros last week playing the same kind of game, calling into some radio station or something. There's so much cash in the system that they're just throwing it around everywhere. What the hell does it mean? We were playing something from uh, from daytime television in the UK. They're tossing out thousands of pounds every hour. What the hell does any of this mean? That means that you're paying $8.50 for eggs in America if you can even find them. That's what that means. There is so much cash that they have pumped into this system and there's not enough goods and services to make it equal out. If you think that we have an economy based on supply and demand, you are sadly mistaken. The fact that we have not crashed this market is beyond comprehension. Do you have any comment on that before I get into what they're discussing with this working paper down in Davos? Yeah, I I just want to I want to reiterate that. Um I don't know how the system is still standing. I I do not know how we haven't seen like Argentina levels of just overnight inflation. Um, I I, I don't get it. I I don't understand how we're not, for that matter, I don't understand how we're not seeing uh, like, you know, Weimar Republic when it when it collapsed and we're seeing like coffee go from like, you know, 50 cents to, you know, a million dollars. Like, I, I, I don't understand. Like, there is so much cash in the system right now. We've talked about it uh, before with COVID and, and even before COVID since 2008, 
they, they've dumped that we know of over 140 trillion dollars into the system. 140 trillion USD into the system. How the hell is this system still functioning? I, it makes no sense. There's only four trillion dollars in cash uh, flowing around the, the the world. How do we have 140 trillion dollars worth of gold uh, to to back all of that? Unless we're doing some kind of secret space mission and and mining one of these asteroids that are up there with all the gold in it. Uh, unless we're doing something like that, I don't I, I I don't get it. It makes no sense. Well, let's look ahead to the new economy, right? Because clearly the old one's being destroyed right in front of our eyes. Again, how can you sustain that? Uh, excuse me, but where are my manners? Where are my manners? I asked about why there's an absence of all the celebrities and the A-listers. Why, why aren't they at the World Economic Forum this year? I was mistaken. All but one A-lister, Mrs. Zelensky, will be down there speaking on behalf of Ukraine, I'm sure. Well, anyway, Getting back to the economy, well, you don't have an economy based on supply and demand. I mean, honestly, if you think that that's what this is, you're crazy. You're crazy. You know, I bought sour cream today. Just one of the simple things, right? I bought sour cream. Just one of those things you pick up, right? Because I'm I'm making something here uh, tomorrow, and I need some sour cream for the recipe. I get around the corner from it, and I you know, I did one of those double back things. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it, I forgot sour cream. So I zip back around the corner, and I looked, and it, you know, just a little tiny container. I used to, to give you an idea. I used to pay ten cents for a little tiny container of sour cream. Okay, the last time I bought it, sour cream has gone up six hundred percent. Six. Hundred percent in the last, I don't know, six to eight months. Hello, cheese has gone up four hundred percent in the same amount of time. I mean, we we were uh, over the weekend. We did uh, some, you know, with our plumbing issues and all that. We were selecting flooring and whatnot, and deciding what to what to do and paint and all that fun stuff. Flooring, carpeting has gone up. Oh it's my. doubled oh in my. price. Yeah, it it used to be like two something, two forty a square foot, I think, and the, for the same exact carpet, it's five dollars now. Wow, that's crazy. It's because of what we're going to discuss here. This is the working paper that they're going. One of the working papers they're going to be discussing down there, and of course, the, you know they're going to have a hundred panels on the schedule, right? They've released their itinerary. They're going to have over a hundred panels to discuss COVID. A hundred panels for COVID. Yes, COVID to discuss. Is done and over with. To discuss COVID. No, no, no. See, not mm. now. Pay very close attention to that on that itinerary. They're going to have over 100 panels to discuss COVID, but they're not going to have a single panel to discuss how COVID happened. Mm, that's unimportant. We don't need yeah, to worry about that. Yeah, you don't need to worry about that. No, you don't no. need to worry about that. There's nothing to see here. Mm. Move along. Move along. Instead, move along to this. Will you? Move along to the new economy. My carbon, an approach for an inclusive and sustainable city. You mean a 15-minute city where you're going to have all of your basic needs met in 15 minutes or less? Sounds like you're ordering a pizza, doesn't it? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Get it, it does, in 15 yeah. minutes or less or it's free. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Because you're going to own nothing and you're going to be happy about it. This is going to be part of their sustainable development impact. Meet. This is straight out of Karl Marx. <laughs> all of this. Anytime you hear sustainable or sustainability. Anytime you hear your basic needs, all your needs will be whatever, Marx. This is what they say in the paper. Let's start with their first point. We love bullet points here, don't we? Bruce, you saw the basic tenets of this, right? If you'd like, I'll send you a copy uh, and you can have a look at it at, this, at the same time. I mean, I can run it here behind me, but it doesn't quite have the same effect. Yeah. There you go. And if there's anything that I skip over or I move past in the interest of time that you catch, please jump in there and elbow me the hell out of the way. So 
let's go through some of these points, shall we? Number one, COVID-19. Bruce is already shaking his head. He just looked at the document. He's already shaking his head. Why are you shaking your head? Well, they have three bullet points right at the top. And the second one, personal carbon allowance programs. Yeah, you got it. That's your social Uh, credit right there. That's that's it. That's that's what it's going to be. Because, well, see, that old system, that old relic cash fiat system, that didn't work. So you're going to need this new system here. You see, COVID-19 was the test of social responsibility. Was it now? Well, what did they have to say about that? A huge number of unimaginable restrictions for public health were adopted by billions of citizens across the world. Um, no, they were not. They were forced across the world. Let me explain. You're going to lock down. You're going to close your business, your church, your school, whatever. And if you don't do that, you're going to be fined up to wherever your country was. 15,000 euros, 15,000 dollars, 15,000 pounds, whatever. You're going to do this or you're going to face fines. You're going to be hauled off to jail. You're going to be hauled off to a quarantine center. That's not being adopted by billions of citizens across the world. Were the Chinese people, were they asked before they were hauled off to a quarantine center? Or did they adopt that? There were numerous examples globally of maintaining social distancing, wearing masks, mass vaccinations, and acceptance of contact tracing applications for public health, which demonstrated the core of individual responsibility. Um, no. Again, let's pick this sorry piece of garbage apart. There were numerous examples globally of maintaining social distancing, possibly for the fools, but you had markings all over the place. Arrows that you had to follow on the floor like you were five. Signs everywhere, keep two meters this, six feet to what the, whatever the hell, it didn't matter. You had those stupid plastic dividers, hell, that are still up in some places. That agitprop out of the Soviet Union, that kind of nonsense. The stupid face shields and the masks and the, the goggles and God knows what else. People walking around with, with milk jugs cut out on their heads. One, two, three, and four masks, like Fauci was up there pushing. Mass vaccinations. Oh, do you want to get me started on the campaign? Do you really want to get me started on that? Do you remember Bill de Blasio, Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York with the the vaccines? Do I need to play Bill de Blasio? Because I will. Here it is. I got vaccinated. You're saying I could get this? The delicious ride? Wait a minute. But there's also a a burger element to this. Let me let me check with Bill Needhart. Is it too early in the day to eat a burger? No. This could be breakfast. Okay. I want you to look at this and think about, again, some people love hamburgers, some don't really want to respect all ways of life. But if this is appealing to you, just think of this when you think of vaccination. Mmm. Vaccination. Mmm. I'm getting a very good feeling about vaccination right this moment. I'll bet you are. I'll bet you are, Mayor. Free beer, free ball game tickets. Free parking, free trips to the concession stand. That's what we were offering. That's what you call mass vaccination. I call that bribery. That's what I call it. You don't get vaccinated. You can't do A, B, or C. Pick whatever. Doesn't matter. Can't get vaccinated. You heard Gene Simmons. We played Gene Simmons from KISS. Yeah, you heard him a couple of weeks ago. He says, look, we're having a KISS cruise, and it's going to be a 100% vaccinated cruise. If you're not vaccinated, you can't get in there. Well, you can keep your cruise. Not interested. Hell, the cruise industry altogether was saying that. Contact tracing applications. The acceptance. I I love how they say this. Oh, it was the acceptance of contact tracing applications for public health. 
Uh, no, it was not. You take this or you can't get on a bus. You can't get on a train. You can't get on an airplane. You can't go anywhere. You can't move. The day, the day that they started the testing, the mass testing, right? Because they didn't have the deaths in the start. So they had a case-demic. You remember that? It wasn't a pandemic after that. It was a case-demic. That's what they gave you. You didn't have a choice. There was no mass uh, acceptance of a contact tracing application. Apple and Google made that decision for you. They updated their core software to where you couldn't remove it. And yet that was, that was acceptance? These people really do live in an alternate reality. They really do. The fourth industrial revolution technology breakthroughs. Advances in emerging technologies like AI, blockchain, and digitalization can enable tracking personal carbon emissions. There's your new economy right there. Raise awareness and also provide individual advisories on lower carbon and ethical choices for consumption of products and services. Oh, you mean, you mean that digital currency that you were talking about? You mean that they can manipulate that and, and twist you and force you into buying that fake meat that Bill Gates owns or that plastic bread or, or those bugs that Robert Downey Jr. owns? Where's he, by the way? He's a World Economic Forum guy. Didn't he say that he, he even told Stephen Colbert, he says, look, I'm going to Davos this year as Colbert. Why isn't he down there? Usually he's boasting about going there. Why isn't he going? Well, it's because he's dressed up as Colbert, so. Oh, well, that, right. Of course, he couldn't get in. Yeah, if that's the case. Yeah. The World Economic Forum's Scale 360 initiative demonstrates the use of the fourth industrial revolution technologies across the whole life cycle of products and services. All your products will become services. You remember that? Product to service. They have a nice little graph just above that, too, showing you they how do. Yeah. the product is made and, and it just kind of uh -huh. circles back in and on itself. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh. And there's no way that, that any of that could ever go wrong, is there? I mean... Let's look at everything that all of this is going to hinge around, shall we? Right. Just looking at that graph, that circular supply chain and material that you're looking at. Let's look at this. Right. So you have product design, sourcing, manufacturing, marketing and sales and distribution, use, reuse, share, repair, collection and reverse logistics, sorting and reprocessing end of use. OK, and then it cycles back around to product design and the whole process starts all over again. You see, there's a little bit of a problem with this. And Klaus Schwab, he likes to tout, as we played in the clip earlier, he likes to tout this, this partnership between government and business, right? They're the future. They're the leading designers of the future and they're building the future and whatever cockamamie nonsense he's talking about. There's a problem. There's a fatal flaw, apart from everything he says. There's a, there's a key fatal flaw that he's not mentioning. And we've talked about, Bruce, you've mentioned this time and again. It's called subsidizing. Every single thing that these people who've produced nothing, I might add, who are now going to pick the winners and the losers, as they say in their own working papers, they're going to pick the winners and losers, and they've never wanted anything. That's incredibly arrogant, if you ask me. Apart from all the other hypocrisy that these people flaunt, every single thing in all of their projects, every last damn one of them, even the ones that they haven't even proposed yet, all include this fatal flaw. The failure is built into these mechanisms, and it's called subsidies. They're going to subsidize every part of that supply chain, every single part. And do you know what happens when the government or businesses subsidize things? Do you know what happens? Bruce, would you like to tell people what happens? Oh, the, the product succeeds wonderfully and makes tons of money or the politician and then collapses. Magically. Every yeah. single time. Yeah. Yeah. 
So are these enlightened people that are going to give you a flawless supply chain and a <laughs> no, they're not. No, they're not. I love mocking these people. That's exactly what should be done with these people. They should be mocked into oblivion for these these insane proposals that they come up with out of these these think tanks from these people out of these these ridiculous universities. You know what? And I'll say this going to a university now, right now, going to a university serves absolutely no purpose unless there are exceptions to this, in my humble opinion. And if you disagree with me, please disagree with me. I, I'm not going to be angry with you for it. But just looking at it on the surface, because of what the institutions have become, they've become Marxist indoctrination centers. They've literally weaponized your children against you when you send them to these places and you pay for it, I might add. Going to one of these institutions serves no purpose unless you want to become, say, like a doctor or something. And even that is in question now because of everything that's gone on with COVID. Or if you want to become an engineer of some kind, you do need to know that other level of expertise. It does have to happen. Other than that, the only thing you need to work in, in a traditional system of checks and balances and supply and demand is social capital. That's all you need. Social capital and experience. Every single successful position I've ever held has always been because I've met somebody or I've known somebody that's gotten me in somewhere or plugged me into this person or that person or that outlet or this outlet or introduced me to this and so on and so forth. If you don't believe that, look at the Fortune 500. Look at them. Most of these Fortune 500 people, they don't have college degrees. Bill Gates, what's he got a college degree in? George Soros, what's he have a, co a college degree in? Any of these people, Warren Buffett, I'm waiting. It's social capital that these people operate on. Power and influence. They don't care about where your degree comes from. They care about who you know and what you can do and what you're capable of. But if you go to the institutions, if you go through their programs, that's their recruiting center at the same time. You see, they want people, the, these Fortune 500s, they want people that come up through the system that don't question. They don't want you to ask questions. They want you to do as you're told. They want a corporate drone. If you can tow the line and you do what you're told and you don't question anything, we have a position for you and you'll be paid handsomely. That's the deal. Now, if you're a mover and a shaker, oh, they don't like that. If you're somebody that knows what they do, if you're somebody that understands outside of the box, if you ask questions and you start stepping over that line, oh, no, 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 no. We can't have you. Continuing on, unless you have anything to add. Honestly, it's kind of kind of online with what uh, we were talking about with that graph. Some of the things on the graph I actually agree with. Like it has five extra bullet points there. One of them is recovering and recycling. I'm okay with uh, recovering and re recycling. I, I honestly, electronics as an example, um, I, why don't we uh, recover some of the metals that are involved in that um, uh, with, with those? So I, I am for recycling and finding ways to reuse products, but there's also another one on there that a product life extension. I'm for that as well. I'm tired of companies designing products to fail at a certain time. Right when the warranty goes up, that's when the product is designed to fail. So then you're required to either buy a new one or go in and get that one repaired and components from that same company that made it. So I, I do want changes in those things, but I don't need a, a world economic forum pushing it or, you know, some some kind of social credit system or a you know, any of that. I, I, I don't want any of that. And uh, to some of the other stuff, the technologies that they already have, some of the stuff they talk about in here are like smart meters that you already have in your installed without your say. 
uh, by the way, here in the U.S. They, they're, they're just requiring it. Or your smart home systems. Transport choices. Uh, yeah, it's just I'm, I'm not, not interested in, in you grading me based on how I get around in town. Because if you live out in the rural areas, for example, there's only one mode of transportation. And that's you own a car. That's it. There is no other form of transportation unless you plan to walk, you know, for over an hour to get to one location. Yeah. Then you have to walk back. Yeah. So the development of new personalized apps, this would go along with the, you know, the development and technologies and things. So you're going to get a new personalized app to account for your personal emissions. Yeah, your personal. Yeah. You see, you're going to need that smart meter for that. You're going to need that that smart home system for that, because that's part of your personal emissions. You see, you're going to need that that electric car with all of the, you know, the gadgets and the <laughs> I'm going to use a Midwestern word here. Doohickeys. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're going to need you're going to need a car that's got all that stuff. I'm really showing my my Midwestern mentality, aren't I? You're going to need all that stuff because they need to, to be able to track you. You see what I mean by these people that go to these institutions that come out and they go to these think tanks and then they tell you and me how we're going to live according to them. They're unemployable. They don't know how to do anything else. They've been indoctrinated in these institutions to lecture us on how to live because we're useless eaters to them. We're consuming too much. You see, by doing this, this will make for better personal choices for food and consumption-related emissions. Well, you can't buy that. You can't buy that meat. You can't buy that, you know, that ice cream. You, you can't buy that. No, you can't buy that milk. You don't need those eggs. Or You see, you're already getting those, those staples that are being taken away. Mm -hmm. Now, you go over there to the bug aisle. You get over there to the insects. Get that, get that black fly larvae. Get that over there. That, that insect butter, that's good for you. Get you some of that. Right. Get you that insect protein that Robert Downey Jr. is going to make a killing off of. Get you some of that. AI can also help strengthen circular economy business models like product as a service model, demand predictions and smart asset management by combining real time and historical data from products and users. So, again, that goes into they're going to tell you what you can and cannot buy when you can and cannot buy it. We started to see the, the beta test of that in COVID, didn't we? In Canada, especially. They had minders walking around with people in stores. They had certain areas roped off with caution tape and, and barriers where you couldn't shop for certain items. I could buy this, but I couldn't buy a, a Christmas stocking. I could buy a loaf of bread, but I couldn't, I couldn't purchase some batteries over here because it was in a section where you couldn't get to. Why? Or a towel or, or a pillow. A towel. You couldn't buy those Something. either. What a ridiculous... Yeah. Who comes up with this crap? Yeah. Seriously, who, who yeah. comes up with this this nonsensical, stupid stuff? I kind of subscribe to the old mafia way of doing things. Um, you know, if a minder's telling you, you you can't buy those things, do you want to buy new kneecaps? I'm going to buy this. <laughs> I mean, it kind of works. I, it reminds me of the, uh, yeah. reminds me of you walk in there with that kind of mentality and say, it's a nice car you drive there. It'd be a shame if something would happen to it. That's if, if the average person would have taken up to that idea this would have been shut down long ago, yeah. this, this yeah. nonsense. There is a significant number of programs and applications enabling citizens to contribute towards carbon emissions by providing them in-depth awareness on the choices of personal carbon footprint, transport, home energy, and lifestyle choices. Drop dead with your stuff here. Go pound sand or, or snow or whatever in the hell it is you idiots do down there. Go pound your bugs and your, your soy protein and your vegan crap. I don't care. I really don't care. Get lost with your stuff. You know what? I dare you to implement this. I dare you to do that. I really do. Go ahead. That's the second time. I'll, I'll say it again. Go ahead. What are you people waiting on? 
That's what I want to know is what are they waiting on? They can roll this out like tomorrow. What are they waiting on? Do it today. Don't wait. Do I sound like a car salesman? Do I sound like Matt Gates? Do I sound like Congressman <laughs> yeah. Matt Gates? Don't wait. Do it today. Um, you know, when I when I go and order food or I'm, you know, making dinner or something like that, I don't think of, man, I wonder how my carbon emissions are with eating this meal. No, what I'm thinking is, is this the right mix of nutrients? You know, is there enough greens in here? Is there enough protein? I'm I'm more concerned about that and what my palate currently is, what what kind of food I want than what my carbon emissions are. No. I, that that's ne that's never that's never a consideration. That is true. I, I mean, I actually catch myself doing that quite a bit. But I mean, you have to. I mean, I'm really big into fitness, but you have to you have to be conscientious about what you eat because you can't just work out and then go eat McDonald's or or Burger King or, or Pizza Hut or something. You can't just you can't do that. I, I mean, I don't eat any of that stuff anyway. But you have to prepare meals for yourself, and you, when you do this, you have to look at what goes into it. I, I like being able to do that stuff now that I'm you know now that I do it. Um, I, I like to be able to pick what protein I want in there and, and what uh, amount of vegetables, what amount of fruits and, and things like that, what amount of dairy I put in my diet, what amount of carbohydrates and so on. That's good. I, I'm not looking at car I, I can't tell you. I've never even thought one time in my life about carbon emissions when I eat a meal. Who in their right mind other than than an insane person would think that? Who would think that? I want to know what you just said, Bruce. I want to know, do I have the right balance here? To, to make sure that I get my, my daily values in each one of these areas. And I'm not talking about that ridiculous food pyramid thing. But I, I want to know no, if the, I'm getting the, the right nutrition. A new is, compass? Is all. Yes. Is there a compass now? Yeah, yeah it, it's a oh, food God. compass now. It's no longer oh, a pyramid. for God's sake. What, how, much, how much vegan and soy is in that one? Well, you, you have things like Fruit Loops are more nutritious than things like steak. Oh, or yes. Yeah, pizza is a vegetable. And, yeah. Yeah. Might also tell you that the Gates Foundation funded that that research too. Yeah. To tell you that Lucky Charms were more nutritious for you than eggs and fruit and all of that stuff. Yeah. So what's next? What will come next if you're going to adopt the sustainable cities? Enabled through smart communities, you're going to have the 15 minute city, right? Because the people of Oxford, they're already taken to that, aren't they? They're just driving right through those things. They don't give a damn. There are three trends that provide strong evidence towards enabling a social movement for my carbon initiatives by enabling public-private partnerships, again, something that Klaus has been talking about for many years, to help curate this program. It is suggested to drive a three-way approach to shape this movement. You see, they're going to engineer. They're going to socially engineer this movement for you. They're going to tell you how this is going to work. And they've laid it out here in this three-step process of how they're going to force you into that way. But you're going to accept it, you see? No one's going to force it, but they're going to force it, but everybody's going to accept it because they're going to force it. I love how they say that. First and foremost, economic behavior. You're going to have to change your ways. You're just going to have to because it's it's for the earth. You're going to have to do that. Increase costs for carbon intensive activities and goods. So in other words, they're going to tax the living hell out of you on everything that they don't like that you're doing. So everything that you're consuming that you're not allowed to consume, you're going to have to pay for that. For example, if you go outside of your 15-minute city more than 100 days a year, your little open-air prison, you have to pay 70 pounds, dollars, or euros, or whatever it is. And that's just the opening salvo. Wait till they increase it to 7,000. Do you remember what it was? 5,000-pound fine in the UK for walking your dog during a lockdown in an unapproved area or whatever in the hell they called it. It was a park. And we're supposed to have climate lockdowns in the near future. That's the 15-minute city. That's a climate mm -hmm. lockdown is what that is. What else? 
in your economic behavior are you going to have to change? Economic incentives to reduce demand and improve efficiency. Again, you're consuming too much. You have to change your economic behavior. You can't be out there buying all kinds of stuff. You can't do that. You can't buy this or that or this or that while you're at that store. You can't do that. Again, we've already seen it. But with the digital currency, they're going to twist and hone that. They're going to squeeze you. That's their method of tightening that grip. I love this next one. Cognitive awareness. See, when I look at this, without even reading the bullet points, I think cognitive awareness, okay, um, that's anybody that can understand how ridiculous this is. That's cognitive awareness to me. You people, to say that you should be locked up in a loony bin is an understatement. Because reading this, that's a normal reaction to somebody that is cognitively aware to what you're trying to promote and create. That's cognitive awareness to me. However, they see it a little bit differently. Raised visibility of personal carbon footprints. Uh, see, you're going to have to worry about your carbon footprint. That's cognitive awareness to these people. You need to be cognitively aware of the impact that you're having on the environment. Raised awareness of personal carbon limits to sustain the transition to a net zero carbon society. Net zero. Oh, God. Where do I start with this, this uh, innovation to zero and all these stupid little quips and sayings that they have? Carbon neutral, carbon zero, z net zero, uh, innovating to zero, whatever Bill Gates says, and and uh, carbon free and, and the rest of this stuff. Zero carbon by 2050. You idiots. Do you understand what zero carbon means? Do you know what the basis of life on this planet is as we know it? It's carbon. We are carbon based life. All life on this planet is carbon based. Therefore, if they say that they want to reduce the carbon to zero, what in the world do you think that means? Have you figured out yet that you are the carbon that they want to reduce? That's just a conspiracy theory. Yes. They're not trying to kill yes. people off. It's just a conspiracy theory. That's right. I'm glad you said that because we're going to end with the mother of all conspiracy theories. Social norms. Third point, social norms. Social, social norms is what we had before you slugs showed up. That was a social norm. Again, they have a different understanding of this. Let's see what that is. A new definition of a fair share. <laughs> There's that term again. Fair share. These idiots have been saying that publicly for 10 years. Fair share. That's Marx again. That's Karl Marx. Fair share. New definition of a fair share of personal emissions. Fair share. What's a fair share? What, what is it? The, the 2,000 private jets that you just shuttled your sorry asses into to Davos in, on, in Geneva? Is, is that a fair share? Oh, we'll see. They're stakeholders. Uh, that's excuse me. I guess I, I guess I just don't I don't have a white card with a blue stripe on it. I guess I, I don't have any card. So I, I guess I don't I don't get to say so I have to pay attention. I'm, I guess I'm not a stakeholder in your little club there. So I have to I have to pay attention to my fair share of personal emissions. And I and I guess this would go along with with demonizing other people that don't do theirs part. Right. And because they're not doing their fair share. Oh, well, that just so happens. To, I didn't even read the second point, And that just so happens. Setting of acceptable levels of personal emissions. So right there, right there it is. So because your neighbor isn't doing their fair share, they're having that barbecue with people. They're emitting carbon, which, by the way, that would also go along with emitting carbon. They, they, they actually say that I read over the weekend there was an article somewhere. I think it was in like The Atlantic or something. One of those use or The Economist or something. Burning wood is an assault by any definition because of the emissions to, towards the earth. You see, that's an assault. Burning wood is an assault weapon now. So uh, also, I'd, I'd like to point out if you're if you're going to be eating bugs and um, vegetarian diet, which eating bugs is not vegetarian. But anyway, let's say you're going to do that. 
you're going to produce more CH4, which is methane. Oh. Which is 100 times worse than CO2. It's a greenhouse gas. Yeah. Well, I think I've seen just about enough of these people down in Davos. However, we're going to be covering their nonsensical sayings and God knows whatever else uh, in the coming days here. Because we have to, unfortunately. And you know that there's not going to be anything else. Hell, there wasn't anything else going on today. And this is what we're talking about, because this is one of the leading papers they're going to be discussing down there. But I said we were going to end on the mother of all conspiracy theories, and we shall do that. Bruce, do you have anything to add before I get to the mother of all conspiracy theories? I just want to point out one more bullet in this that um, we're kind of a side note. Uh, Part of the reason they're saying they want to do this uh, climate change, you you know, the zero emissions, all that kind of stuff, is the uptick in climate awareness from from the, the average person, specifically the younger generations. And uh, of course, they show some char- charts here of of the increase of, of people's interest in uh, climate change. I also want to point out because the dates they show is 2015 to 2021. I also want to point out that they started hammering us, the average person, with climate change stuff just slightly before that, before we started seeing upticks of that. Um, you, you, you had, uh, presidential candidates here in the U S like Bernie Sanders or, um, had others like uh, AOC and whatnot, pushing the whole climate change agenda saying we're going to die and, you know, of climate change within like, you know, 12 years at the time. Uh, and now here we are, uh, that has to have been 12 years ago at this point. It, it seems like <laughs> Bernie said six. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point we've had, we've had multiple snake oil salesmen that have said the end is nigh because of climate change. And we're all going to have like, you know, back in the eighties, we were going to run out of food and it was back then it was cooling and you know, the, the uh, hole in the ozone and it's going to kill us all and blah, blah, blah. And peak oil. We had peak yeah. oil back in that. That now they're saying we have peak meat. They're saying we we have peak meat now. Nope. I'm I'm gonna continue eating meat even if that means I have to raise my own cattle. So on to the mother of all conspiracy theories, and I love this because this just shows the hypocrisy of it all. So you have the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum taking place right now as we speak, kicked off today. You have two thousand private jets that have flown in some of the top brass around the world. At least 53 heads of state that we're aware of, not to mention the people that are going to be remoting in to give speeches, not to mention that. And then, of course, you have over 600 CEOs. So it's safe to say that the Fortune 500 are going to be there. Safe to say they'll be there. That's a lot of clout in one room. That's a lot of power in one area of the world at one time, isn't it? Wouldn't you say that? Seems that way, yeah. Seems that way. So if you have a meeting of all the top business people around the world, and you have a meeting of all the top world leaders in the same place, all discussing how they're going to be ruling over us in the future, and, well, really in the present, would you call that a a, a cabal of people that are trying to run the world? Would you call that a a cabal? Meeting in secret and discussing how they're going to... definitely fit the... Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. But yet... In the same sentence, they'll call you a conspiracy theorist if you believe that any of that's going on. Guess that makes me a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, and I will happily wear that badge because that is exactly what's going on. The thing is, is when they're actually doing that and conspiring against people, it is not a theory. It is literally conspiracy. That's what's going on. And Bruce, what are they actually saying when they're saying that? I'm not here. Yeah, that's exactly it. They're gaslighting us. Uh Uh-huh. 
I am not here. They're literally telling you, nope, I'm not here. I'm not yeah. here. I, there's, none of this That's... is going on. This is all in your head. We're going to have to go ahead and call this one done. Bruce, thank you for being here today. God bless everyone. Have a fantastic evening.